0: one. what's the nature of your emergency
1: Welcome back to the Tactical Living podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. In our last episode, we had Mr. Brian K. Bishop join us, and he shared with us a little bit about his origin story and what had led him to becoming a police officer in the first place, and we are so honored, Brian, to be sharing space again with you, and we thank you for coming back onto our show. Thank you. Brian, how are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for asking
1: Good. In our last episode, you said something very quickly, but it's something that sat with me. And you may mention that during your first marriage, it was, it was to the point to where you started to notice your first signs of PTSD. And if you don't mind, can you just share with us a little, a little bit about in retrospect now, what you identified those, those self-triggers to have been?
0: Firstly, the first marriage I didn't identify them really well. I knew something wasn't right. I was kind of short-tempered and coming home and venting a lot and just, I guess, not acting normal. But it really wasn't until being with a second wife and towards the end of the latter of my career before I decided to retire, I noticed something wasn't right. So I was officially diagnosed in 2015 But in 2014, I actually went to the doctor, and it's like, something's not right, and my second ex-wife was begging me to to look at something, and it turns out...
1: No, wait a second. I'm going to to... pause you there. Your second second ex-wife was begging you to look into something. Why was she doing that?
0: She noticed a pattern change. Um, I was getting more depressed, more withdrawn, not talking as much, and more of an outbreak mm-hmm. where things things do upset me, as most humans do get, especially in our line of work, but it was more of a frequent nature. And I was getting the pressure from the public and their disrespect um, as I worked in a uh, sheriff's office. I was mostly in court services and protection with the – Government center. Now that government center also housed a Pennsylvania United States congressman. Mm -hmm. Security was pretty tight, and I took security seriously. So with the public just, you know, being obstinate with their manner and their behavior and their actions about what we need them to do coming to the government facility, as far as an metal detector and the metal detection was designed for was starting to really wear on me. I found myself calling off at least once, one day a week, and it was only a five-day work week, so I was barely able working for four days. So I was starting to, I would see people coming down the walkway, I would just go out of my way to avoid them. And then on the home side of it, you know, my ex-wife, I learned later learned after the divorce was officially had bipolar, was had the bipolar syndrome. So that didn't help. She so had two disorders coming together, and one was about to explode because it just was not working out. And there was other reasons why the marriage failed. But I just noticed there was a change in me, and especially after I lost – My little pet cat, that that cat was just a world to me. I I believe when I attempted suicide in 2006 and I got the cat in 2000 and I think it was eight, that thing kept me alive for all those years because of being separated from my family and moving out to a state and being with the sheriff's office, that didn't really welcome outsiders if you weren't like born and raised in the county you were considered an outsider the dynamics of the county's mental status and how they viewed outsiders and how they actually lived Mm -hmm. was so weird
1: um i was in the area where the amish school shooting happened in 2006 i was with the college police department at that
0: time i was indirectly involved because our church helped out the victims um with monetary gifts as well as doing other things to help out. So that was just a really tough time. And I think all these things were building up. In 2014, my sister was diagnosed with MS. 2015, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and survived. Um, and being separated from my family, it was just everything was building up where I literally just started shutting down. And even other people, my mentors I've mentioned in some of the group chats and videos, noticed a difference in my demeanor, my voice. And in fact, one was saying, I'm concerned about you. You sound seriously depressed. I was like, I really am depressed. And
1: I tried medication for like a hot second, and that didn't make me feel at all like I was myself. So I immediately stopped that and just started
0: having
1: the will to fight back and to try to get through this. and That's a lot, right? That's really heavy. And I, I appreciate and value you for sharing that. And one question that comes to mind is you had, you had made mention that in 2006, there was an attempted suicide, but then you also said that there were things that you've tried to try to allow you to get better what was that point for you personally to where you made the decision to try to get better? To really get serious about it was when I decided to retire in 2015. From Uh, law enforcement.
0: From law enforcement period. So I went to human resources. I talked to them and decided what was going on, and they knew how petty. Please, let me back up. Police departments, we are a bunch of cry babies. Okay, we're all tough cops out there, but. In general, we are the biggest bunch of babies. We, we might, we get because if we don't get the new to do cruisers or drive the ship, or the
1: sergeant, didn't bring in donuts for all. I mean, we really are a bunch of babies. I have and something I- to interject there because I interviewed somebody. I'm not going to say who she was, but during our interview, <laughs> she made mention of the fact that she's going to be on a SWAT team one day, like it's going to happen. And she's, uh-huh. a, she's a deputy. And uh-huh. she made a comment saying that her biceps are bigger than most of the people on the SWAT now anyways. And that comment upset the entire SWAT team to the effect where I had to edit that out of our show.
0: <laughs> no, I believe that because, and I think I know, because so Facebook has like friend requests, suggestions, and uh-huh. I've seen one, and I'm like, wow, you're more of a man than I'll ever be. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so, so you're definitely right on no, with that.
1: <laughs> there's
0: been no friend requests on either parties, and I think I know who... I don't know if she's in her group, but it's come up on a a traffic page on the, like, whatever. So So you go to Human
1: Resources, you're expressing this. So I'm expressing to
0: the resource lady, she knows how petty things are, and they actually took a B-29, which is a target, paper target, that we use for law enforcement. It's a life-size target. And my ex-wife was in the Hawaii things, in the Hawaii setting, so I always wore Hawaii insurance so we had to come in in civilian clothes, dress in our deputy sheriff uniform and gear, and then change out of when our shift was over. Some mm-hmm. departments let you take it home, blah, 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 you can take cruisers home. It depends on your agency's policies. So they, they dressed up a B-29 target, put my name on it, put my badge number on I have a photo in my uh, archive saved. And put a Hawaiian shirt on it and dress it up and put it in the locker room mm-hmm. after I'd already changed and came back. So I guess I thought they were funny, but that's, that's, that's can to be taken a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I could probably have filed a lawsuit against that, which I didn't, but I was like, you people are a bunch of sick, sick jerks. You know, you think that's funny. I mean, if I do something, you know, damage a cruiser or, you know, slip on the ice and, and, and whatever, that's funny. Okay. You can, you can joke about, that's me all you want to, but when you start putting um, a
1: shirt and a person's name and their badge number and um, deliberately doing something to inflict, in, inflict your right. mental health, especially based on the whole reason why that conversation even took place. Correct.
0: And you start doing that, you're you're asking for someone to come in and maybe open up fire. I mean, I, I see why people do it to nowadays. I don't agree with it, but I understand it to yeah. some extent, yeah. especially in this, in the school setting. So anyways, getting back to that
1: topic, I decided to, wasn't to give it up. It wasn't worth it and take my
0: money, if you will, and go. So HR, so the director, she liked me anyway. She knew I was always professional. And I always treated everyone fair. Um, at that post, so she goes, "This is what you need to do." And I was like, "Okay." So basically, I took a sabbatical, wiped out my entire sick leave and vacation leave, mm-hmm. and then resigned, hmm. and then go and I went to work for um, building maintenance and custodial work on midnights at a restaurant. Totally, just a time for me. I needed a time to decompress and have nothing to do with law enforcement because a toilet or a mop bucket cannot harm me. So yeah. I, uh, and I like to clean and do maintenance stuff, So and I have other skills. So it was just a time for me to decompress and get out of it and retire and, and try to get my mind right, get things back on track. So I have PTSD, but I won't say that it has me. And that's what keeps me motivated and fueled to keep going on and and be a fighter and
1: try to help others in this group as well as other brothers and sisters in law enforcement, firefighting, military, air ambulance service, um, correctionals. doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's awesome and and so inspiring and shows so much strength and courage. And that's one of the problems that Clint and I Struggle with is a lot of times people try to say that there's something wrong with you. Well, given anybody in the situations that you faced in your career as a police officer, anybody would react the same, if not even worse, and especially not having the conditioning that that you've had. And so I, I think it's really noble for you to be able to self identify the way that you did and to do what you needed to do in order to maintain your health and ultimately maintain your life. And I thank you for that.
0: I did have a mental health specialist who was a friend of mine in the county. And Jennifer said to me, she goes, Brian, I'm concerned about your mental health because I'll explain to her a lot of things I've gone through. I had a friend who was our neighbor with my second ex-wife in PA. He passed away. and I could even cry for two months. Um, I suspected foul play from his girlfriend, but I couldn't prove it. Um, it was ruled natural causes of a heart attack. So I had to live with that, but I pushed for the coroner's office who I had connections with to investigate that and to do a, uh, toxicology on him, which they agreed to do. So, but Jennifer goes, I'm concerned about your mental health. And I kind of just, I was in macho mode, if you will, all guys have that problem from time to time. And I thought, no, I'm fine. No, I wasn't fine. um, I was getting into altercations with people off duty or on very frequently, but I knew where the line was not to cross it. But sometimes I scared myself that I could have snapped and just either physically harmed that person or even worse. So I, so Jennifer was right to identify that being in her profession with the county and Then I finally took action and by, like I said, 15 to say, yes, something I don't feel right, something. And TTSD may have stemmed from high school and may have stemmed from my first divorce. I can trace it back to my first divorce because, you know, you've got separation. You have, you're now two people become one. Now you're separated Now your identity has changed. Now your finances have changed. Everything about you has changed because of another person's decision. And that was hard. So maybe it started there. It's hard to say when it actually started, but it actually started to snowball till 2015. I almost had a breakdown and had to get out ahead of it without identifying what it was or without getting help or even trying medication for a brief second. To realize i can get through this if something is not right and i have to agree with clint i'm going to have to change my verbiage and my way of thinking it's not post-traumatic stress disorder; it's post uh traumatic stress injury it's injury to your mental health it's not a disorder
1: yeah we actually first heard no. that coined by jay wiley um okay. from the law enforcement for life radio show and i absolutely believe that it, it should be viewed that way and it's a part of changing the stigma it's changing those labels And to wrap it up, Brian, if there's somebody listening to this and they might be in that same situation or feel the same way that you were back in 2015, what advice would you give to them?
0: Know that you're okay. It's okay to feel this way. It's an injury. It's not a disorder. Please do not self-medicate. Please do not take matters in your own hands. Please get a person who can come alongside you who understands it, which I didn't have. Because I couldn't trust my own partners because they were doing things as we mentioned they thought were jokingly, but was actually mentally cruel, as well as other things behind my back. Um, no, you're not alone. There's this group, which is us in this group. Um, counseling is not a bad thing, swallow your pride, go to your department, figure out your your um uh, policies, procedures, be careful how you go about things, because if you do get labeled and you get um or voluntary or involuntary you could have problems with your career um but don't try to suppress it and do not like i said do not take marriage in your own hands and before you think about i'll be quite blunt eating your own gun or taking your own life please know there's help out there and you're not alone you've and you've never been alone all of us have been through it have been serious about getting help we're here to help out
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to echo that a little bit by just sharing that the group that Brian keeps referring to is our police, family, military and families Facebook group. So if you're new to listening to this and you haven't already, please come onto Facebook. We'd love to have you. And Brian, thank you so much for sharing and being so open and honest and willing to share your story and hope for other people. And something tells me this is probably not the last time that we'll have you on our show. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you as well.